And as you guys give, we're going to see Paul talk about this in Philippians chapter 4. And he's going to thank the church at Philippi for sending money 800 miles from Philippi to Rome in jail. He said, thank you for doing that. And he said, but let me explain. He said, I didn't need it. I didn't need it. Paul's going to say that. I don't need anything. And he's going to say, he says, because I've learned to do without. If I don't have it, guess what? I didn't need it. And I've also learned to enjoy what I do have. If I do have it, I'm grateful for it. No matter what state I'm in, I can do all things, finish it, through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 is one of the most famous verses we throw around out of context all year long. It is, you know. You go to the weight room, going to do a PR, it's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not what he's talking about. Not at all. He's talking about generosity and living in times of simplicity. And so I would say all that to say this. Thank you guys for all that you've given, all that God is going to continue to give through you. It's all the Lord's. It's all the Lord's, and we're going to see Paul's heart for that as we continue to celebrate what God's doing at South Beach Christian School and as you guys participate and, and step into the needs of the church, and as you guys put your ear towards Mexico and what God's doing down there, and as you guys lean into what God's doing up on the hill here, it's going to cost lots and lots of money to buy the land and to build a building. But God's already given to us so generously, and I believe he's going to continue to do so. But he's going to use all of us collectively. So, hey, before we get into Philippians 4, let's pray all those announcements in, and let's ask God to be glorified and honored in all that he does through this church and him to bless us now as we get into his word. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word does not return void, but Lord, it is sent out by you to accomplish, Lord, what you sent it out to do. Lord, that it will equip us and it will, Lord, remind us and it will correct us and it will comfort us. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, and those watching online and those coming in hot at the 11, that you would bless us, Lord, and encourage us. I thank you for Paul's heart towards the church. Lord, this is his favorite church. It's the church at Philippi. He loved them, Lord. And I thank you for South Beach Church, Lord. This is my favorite church too, Lord. I love this church. And I thank you for all you've done at this church and are doing. And yet each one of us right now, we pause. And with faith in our hearts, believing that the best is yet to come, we submit ourselves to you. And we say, would you remind us of what's important? Would you burn away, Lord, that which doesn't matter? Would you replace, Lord, any counterfeit in our life, Lord, with the truth of God's word? Would you rescue us from any snare that we've been caught up in would you convict us of anything silly lord that's taking our time and dominating our life and like peter and the boys there in the last supper would you wash us lord through the water of your word we thank you for all you've done feed us too lord make us that church that salt of the earth lord that city on a hill the light of the world that lord when people see us they would see you so even now we thank you jesus and we ask all these prayers in jesus name and everybody said Amen. Hey, let's read a few verses just in case we forget to read any verses. Look at verse 8. Philippians 4, 8. We're going to read three verses together, actually two. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice, let's just keep reading because it's fun, in the Lord greatly. And now at last that your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunities, talking about the gift he just received. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to bound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well that you shared in my distress. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Paul now writing to a church that he loved and adored, a church that as he looked at them and heard from Epaphroditus, the pastor of the church, could really see no fault in them. They were doing everything great. He did have two words for some ladies, Eutychus and Syntyche, or however you say their names. And he said, hey, ladies, make sure and just be of the same mind. Something was wrong with those two gals. And so he began to speak into their life, and he said, essentially, figure it out. I should be a professional counselor one day. 
figure it out, is what Paul said. Be of the same mind. Let your heart be softened toward one another. And then in verses eight, he said, finally, brethren, and he lists eight things in verse eight, to meditate on. Put these things in your mind because your mindset, okay, determines your direction of the life that you're gonna live. Your outlook determines your outcome. Your attitude determines your altitude. How you think determines where you go. I used the illustration last week of learning to snowboard. And when I learned to snowboard, whatever I would look at, I would essentially go that direction. So if I wanted to avoid the tree, I need to stop looking at the tree. But if you ever learned to snowboard, you kept looking at the tree, and the next thing you know, you hit the tree. So too, Paul says, hey, let's meditate on these things. And he lists them for us, and I just want to underscore Paul's heart for the church that he loves them. We see that in verse one of chapter four. It says, therefore, my beloved, longed for brethren, my joy and my crown. And then he gives them a list of things to do and not to do. You guys realize this, right? The Lord loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He has good things in order for you. And let me just remind you, though, you do have an adversary. You do have an enemy. The devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Did you know that the devil himself can't create anything new? All he can do is counterfeit that which the Lord has given to you. All he can do is counterfeit. And so what God asks us and reminds us and implores to us is, hey guys, focus on the things that are true. That's what he says in verse one, or verse, uh, the first thing in chapter four, verse eight. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are, what's it say? True. I'll read it to you since you guys are still sleeping. That's okay. Whatever things are true, because the opposite of truth is untruth. Genesis chapter three, we see the very first lie in the garden, the very first lie in the world that we know. And Satan came in and he began to then pick apart God's truth. And so what Paul says to the church as he wants them to succeed, he says, brethren, I want you to focus on, to meditate on those things that are true. Now let me just talk about Paul. Paul's becoming more and more my hero of the faith as I study his life and teach through the book of Acts once per year at the school up in Yakima. Paul loved this church. He adored this church. But do you remember how he started this church? He was praying in Acts chapter 16 and doors were shutting in his life and ministry was difficult. And so the Bible says he took a nap, which is the best thing to do when you're having a tough day. He takes a nap and God gives him a vision of the church at Macedonia that didn't yet exist in Philippi. And so Paul sails over to Philippi and there's nobody there. There's no Christians there. There's actually not even any Jews there. He meets a gal named Lydia, leads her and her family to the Lord, baptizes them, goes into the city streets the next day and preaches the gospel, gets arrested, gets in prison, gets beaten openly and decides to, in that state of mind, worship the Lord. And while doing so, the chains, you guys know the story, Acts chapter 16, his chains fall off and the doors open up and the jailer gets saved and Mrs. Jailer gets saved and all the little jailers get saved, the whole family gets saved. And Paul begins to then see this church grow. Stop right there, eyes up here, here's my point. I wanna use three I words for our church moving forward, maybe through the rest of summer and the rest of our lives. The first one is involved, getting involved. One of the best ways to grow in your Christianity is just to get involved in other people's lives, to get involved in ministry opportunities, to get involved in what's going on, to seek and to sense where God is and then to go where he's directing you no matter what it looks like and just say yes to the next right thing, amen? And Paul asked the Lord, what should I do? He says, go to Macedonia. So I'm trying to go over here, it's not working. I'm trying to go over here, it's not working. Then just go where God guides you, get involved. And when this happens, you'll see fruit, you'll see love. A lot of people don't get involved in the things of God. They don't sign up for the volunteers. They don't show up to the events. They don't participate any more than they have to. And they wonder why their lives are unfruitful, unlike the Apostle Paul. Yesterday, no, that's not true. Last Sunday, we were done and the second service was over. And man, I hadn't had enough calories and so my brain wasn't all there. So I was walking around and, and I saw one of my friends outside of the church after service was over. And, and her name's Sue. And she was uh, encouraging me through the sermon. She said, man, it was such a good sermon. It was so good. And I just listened, listened, listened. And then I said, hey, Sue, are you volunteering at the school right now? Just kind of right at her, you know? And she said, no. I said, why not? <laughs> like I said, I, I was underfed, you know? And she said, well, I don't, I don't know. And I said, would you consider doing it? And she said, yeah. I said, okay, cool. Thank you for doing that. You're going to be, she's going to be great. You're going to be bad. Then I came back in here and there was another gal cleaning up after the church. Guess what her name is? Sue too. Her name's Sue also. And so I said, hey, Sue, are you volunteering at the school right now? She said, no, I'm not. I said, why not? 
And she said, well, I, I don't know. I said, would you consider doing that? And both Sue said, yeah, thank you for asking me. And they both got a hold of Katie Townsend, the administrator of the school, and they're both going through the processes now to help out with the summer program. We're looking for volunteers, half day, one day per week in order to make the summer program work. And my point is, is that when I asked these gals to get involved point blank, they both said, yeah, thanks for asking. We will do it. Getting involved. My philosophy of ministry over the years has show up early, stay late, and say yes to everything. And as I do that, as I find myself being led by the Holy Spirit, when God guides and when God directs, he has you to be a part of what he wants to do through your life, and then you get to, like Paul, see the fruit of your life. And I put that challenge on you because we're such a protected society nowadays. Instead of having white picket fences that are three feet tall where we can talk to each other, we have six-foot privacy fences now. That's like the big deal. Like, put the fence up. I don't want to see my neighbors, you know. You got Mr. Wilson looking over, you know, trying to see what's going on. That's old anyways. Hey, the second I is not just involve, but invest. Paul's telling this church here, Philippi, thank you for your investment. Thank you for giving what you guys gave. Not just being involved, but investing eternally. I don't think when we get to heaven, I'll say that I know when we get to heaven, you're not going to have any regrets whatsoever by everything that you invested in the kingdom of God. But I do believe there will be some regrets for those areas that we didn't invest in the things of God where we kept it back, where we did it for ourselves, where we didn't look beyond our own self. Instead, we look to be selfish. And I would just encourage you guys, we're gonna learn that over the next couple weeks. Be that person who's involved. Be that person who invests. And then be a person who invites others. We're gonna see Paul at the end here. He says, hey, greet everyone. Just be, be hospitable. Invite others to church with you. Invite others to participate. As a matter of fact, those two Sues know each other, and so those, those two Sues are going through the proper background checks and training to help at this school. And when you get to invite people to the yarn and yak or to the woman's walk and talk or to celebrate recovery or, or to a life group or to the August 20th fun run, when you get to invite, hey, let's go do this together. Let's do this together. When you're inviting people onto mission with you, you'll be like the Apostle Paul where he looks at this church and in verse eight, which was where we're at today, he says, finally, brethren, he loves them. He's involved with them. He's invested in them. And he's inviting them to walk with him. Now he lists, though, let's read this together and just kind of parse it out. He says, finally, brethren, then he lists eight things. Look at the final part of verse eight, though. He says, meditate on these things. The word meditate literally means to grab something and to make it your own. It, in the Greek, it means to grab it and to put it into your account. It becomes who you are. And he lists these eight things. He says, these eight things should be so near and dear to you, so close to you that you own them, that you have a reservoir of all of these things. Truth, that which is noble, that which is just, that which is pure, that which is of good report, that which is lovely, all these things. And the reason Paul's saying this to the church is because these things will change your life. As a matter of fact, look at, if you have your Bible, go back to the last two verses of chapter three, verses 20 and 21. I'll read them to you. Paul says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Verse four, or verse one of chapter four, therefore, stop right there, eyes up here. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God, Paul says, We're, our citizenship is in heaven. We're going to heaven one day. And so because of those things, meditate on these eight attributes, these eight virtues. Because if you don't buy into the truth of God, you're probably going to be led astray by the counterfeits of the enemy in your life, which is supposed to be lived on mission. As a matter of fact, this portion of scripture, Paul talks about investing, he talks about being involved, he talks about committing and meditating and musing. There's kind of a lot of asks here. And as a pastor, man, it's kind of, it's hard to ask people to do, I just don't like to ask people to do stuff. But Paul knows this is good for you. It's good for me. It's good for us in order that we would be the most fruitful people we can be. He says, I want you guys to take these things and make them your own. This should ooze out of you. You ever talk to somebody on a certain subject and they just ooze the wisdom and all the depth and all the, all the details about that? You're like a fly fisherman, you know, I don't know anything about fly fishing. You know, apparently there's a fly and some fish involved, that's all I know. Or you talk to somebody about cars, and they know all about the cars, you know, and I went to a car show yesterday. Anybody go to the car show yesterday? Okay, 17 of us, great, great. So the car, you know, I'm not a car guy, but I, I can tell that's a car right there, you know, and I knew some of the cars didn't belong in the show, like, oh, what's this car doing here, you know? And you ever met somebody, though, that just knows a whole bunch about something? One time I accidentally read this article. 
it's true. I read this, I accidentally read this article in the Portland Trailblazers, and it was like this kind of in-depth article about the franchise and some of the shifts that were happening in the players. And I just kind of read it. I was bored. I was work, running this coffee house, and, and a, a few minutes later, this lady comes in, and the Blazers came up in conversation, coincidentally. And so I, I, I instantly then volunteered all this new information that I just learned like 30 seconds earlier, and she looked at me, and her mouth dropped. She goes, wow, you know a lot about the Blazers, you know? And I was like, ah, it's, it's all fake. I literally just learned that, like, you know. You've been around somebody, though, that knows everything about something? It's because they've meditated on it. It's because they've given everything they are to the subject. Let me ask it differently. Have you ever been around somebody who, when a subject matter comes up, they try and fumble their way through talking about it? They're kind of trying to pretend they know what they're talking about, but you're kind of like, I don't know if you really know what you're talking about. I don't know if you really spent that much time musing or meditating on this subject, and it seems like you're trying to fool me. Here's what Paul's saying, folks. He's saying, Christians, this is your stuff. These are your eight to own. This is the thing that should ooze out of you, that which is true, that which is just, that which is noble, that which is holy, that which is pure. These are the things that should just naturally come out of you. Prayer and a spirit of gratitude and, and joy and love. And this is the challenge Paul's putting on his kids, the church that he loves. And I just want to encourage you that it's what God wants you to do. Now, let me remind you also that Paul's writing this letter from jail. And the primary topic in this letter is joy, peace, and strength. And a guy in jail who has no hope of getting out, who's been wrongly accused, falsely tried, and will one day be executed, should not have peace, joy, and strength, right? Circumstantially. But because he has been meditating on these things, nothing can stop him. See, we live in a culture today that wants everything to be perfect, and until it's perfect, until I get the perfect spouse, until I get the perfect house, until I get the perfect mouse, until I get the perfect whatever, you know, until I get the perfect thing, I'm not going to be full of joy, peace, and strength. Paul says, no, no, I've learned to be content, whether I have a lot or I have a little. Well, how would you do that, Paul? Because I meditate on the things that matter most. I don't get hijacked by things that are deceitful and counterfeits in my life. Instead, I'm focusing on the things that matter. This word meditate, we see it in the scriptures uh, many times. Psalm chapter one, verse two. You guys who read the Psalms, uh, you know it's there. It says this, it says this in verse two. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. The man or woman that meditates on these truths, nothing's gonna stop you. Nothing's going to come against you that shall prosper. As a matter of fact, Joshua, he uses the same word. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, what's it say? I'll read it for you. Meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When? When we meditate on God's word. How many of you guys need prosperous seasons in your future? How many of you guys want success in your future? How many of you guys want to be fruitful in the future? How many of you guys don't want to spaz out when the drought comes and the heat comes, like rivers of water that keep your roots satiated? It's when you decide to meditate on the things of God. Now let me just take this a step further. I believe we're comprised of many different things, but primarily body, mind, spirit. Okay? Our minds are very powerful. And this is where that meditation component happens. I mentioned this to you last week that one philosopher said that the mind is its own space and within it, it has the power to make heaven out of hell and hell out of heaven. Your mind can change the circumstances or the situations you find yourself in. If it's a hellish situation like Paul's, through your mind and the power of mind over matter, you can talk yourself into saying, you know what? If God is for me, who can be against me? God's gonna cause all things to work together for good. While this is not good, God is not done yet. And your mind can redeem those things. Also, 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 if you don't have a healthy mind, if your mind is plagued by other things, you can have all these things given to you, good things, a great life, a great job, a great spouse, and yet for some reason you're not walking in peace. There's no joy. There's no strength. What in the world's going on? You've been hijacked. You've been robbed. You've been deceived. Don't raise your hands, but have you ever found yourself with the stinking thinking, looking like you just got baptized in pickle juice? And everyone else looks around you like, what's your problem, dude? Meditate on these things. Let your mind 
be consumed by the things that matter most. Your mental health is much like your physical health. If you ignore your physical body and its needs, if you don't eat properly, or if you eat improperly, if you don't exercise, if you let your body fall apart over years and years and years, it will be evidenced and seen, noticed and felt, amen? So too your mental health is no different than your physical health. Garbage in, garbage out. Paul says your mental health, your mindset, your strength, your vitality is determined based on what you meditate on. Over 15,000 different messages come into the average person's mind every single day in this world. That's an old stat too. Now we've got the internet in our pockets. We've got radio, we've got all these things, messages, messages, messages. And to think that it doesn't have some wear and tear on your mental health is ridiculous. Do we have a mental health crisis in the world right now? Yeah, we do, mental health crisis. And yet Paul says, hey, meditate on these things. And he lists eight. The number eight, by the way, in biblical numerology is the number of new beginnings. Brand new. The Bible says to renew your mind by being transformed through God's word. Not conformed to this world. Romans chapter 12. Renew your mind. Meditating on these things. Grabbing on to these things. And I, as I've been thinking about my own personal life, Luke Frechette, in the, the race I'm running, the fight I'm fighting, the journey that I'm walking, as I take every thought captive, 1 Corinthians 10, to the obedience of Jesus Christ, pulling down strongholds, waging warfare against the enemy. The only way to do so powerfully and victoriously is to what Paul is saying here so simply. Some people read through verse eight, it's like, oh yeah, he lists a bunch of stuff. They're probably important, let's keep going. I really believe this is key to your mental health that will determine the trajectory of your life. How much of this world is poisoning us right now? All the fear, all the deceptions, all the counterfeits, all the information, information overload. We're not made, I believe, to have as much going on at the same, how many of you guys have a computer at home or a laptop or something like that? How many of you guys have over 50 tabs open right now on your laptop? Anybody at all, 50 tabs, Paul, okay. I have 52 tabs open right now on my laptop. Pray for me. You know, pray for me. Some of them have been open for a year and a half. I just need to shut them, but I'm scared to. I'm scared, you know, maybe that's important one day. And there's so much going on in our lives. Yesterday, I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, nationally, our nation just launched a brand new service uh, to the world, to, our, to America, which is for those who are struggling with mental illness. And if you are struggling with uh, depression or suicidal thoughts or, or anxiety or, or fear, you can actually, instead of calling 911 for a police officer or an EMT, you can call 988. Brand new, just came out yesterday. And if you're feeling suicidal, depressed, or lost, and you, instead of being connected with a dispatch person, you'll be connected with a licensed counselor that will help you in your time of need and your suicidal tendencies and all these thoughts. Is that, is that, is that a good thing? It's a great thing. It costs $400 million to launch this project. And so now if, you, if, you, if you're feeling overwhelmed and feeling, you know, exhausted and discouraged and depressed, all you gotta do is call 988. Now, I'm saying this carefully. I'm glad that's there. However, Paul didn't have 988. He was chained to a Roman guard. He'd been beaten multiple times. He'd been abandoned. He'd lost everything he had. He was destined to die, tortured. He knew what was coming. And throughout this epistle, you know what he says? Hey, Rejoice. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. He invited them in chapter 3. He said, hey, would you guys rejoice with me in my soon coming death? Would you just rejoice with me? It's so cool. It's so good. And while we're here, let's meditate on these things. Let's stay focused on these things. Because the battleground is the battle of the mind. And if you meditate like Joshua 1.8 says, you'll be prosperous and successful in all your ways. If you meditate like the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 1, when heat or drought comes, you won't wither and tap out. And I'm glad that 988 exists. And if you're finding yourself in need of someone to talk to and you're overwhelmed, but let me also say this, if you're in need and you're overwhelmed, who have you been talking to? Has it been the Lord? Have you been filling your mind with that which is true? 
Or have you been plagued with that which is untrue? Have you been focusing on things that are pure? Oh, that's legalistic, Pastor Luke. Hey, it's realistic. You plague yourself with all of the stuff that's happening online, all the stuff that's happening in our entertainment system, all the stuff that's happening in Hollywood, all the stuff that's happening on the radio. What do you expect? What do you expect? And I'm not trying to be condescending or judgmental, but if you don't take care of your body for years and 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 then you don't feel good, what do you expect? I mean, you know, you got to take care of yourself, body, mind, and spirit. And this is what Paul is advocating for. And so he lists these eight things. Did you know, this is a big deal. It's been taken, I think God's taken me on a journey. I'm trying to include you guys in that. I want to run my my race well. I want to finish well. Some of you didn't start well. Starting is not as important as finishing. You guys know that? You can start great and finish horrible. You can start all messed up and finish amazing. It's how you finish. And when Paul writes to this church, he loves them. Finally, brethren. Let me list eight things. Meditate on these. In, in verse nine, which if we get there today, which we might, he says, and obey these things. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be. Starts with H, rhymes with happy. It's a song, happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. You guys remember that song? Thank you. Did you know that 90% of illness and disease, 90, is stress-related? I had to double, I, I researched it last night on the internet. I opened up a 53rd tab to f- find that out. Stress, stress me out. And I was like, no way. 90% of all illness and disease is stress-related because the majority of all the illnesses and disease that our bodies have to fight could be overcome if our bodies were more strong when that fight began. But the stress that we've been allowing our bodies to live under has brought us to a place of compromise. And now we're taken down by ails and ills because we're not ready to fight because our brains have been plagued by so much things other than these eight that Paul lists freak out. We're the most prosperous generation per capita that has ever lived. There are more people in this generation living at a high level of comfort than ever before. And yet we're the most stressed out. We're the most freaked out. We're the most uptight, upset that our nation had to create a hotline 988 for people who are depressed. The psalmist would say, in more than one psalm. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Have you been cast down? Just be honest. Yeah, of course I have. I'm getting attacked every single day. The psalmist would answer his own question. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Your hope is in the Lord. Your trust is in him. And let's go ahead and just kind of double click on each one of these quickly. But I pray in Jesus' name that if you're a believer here and you're loved, you're part of the church, you're a child of God, you're called you're equipped, you've been assigned, but you would look at your life mentally and spiritually and say, man, I'm just kind of freaked out. I'm not the strongest I could be. Why? What is that? Meditate on these things. Do it. Make room for these things. Apply them. By the way, when you decide to apply yourself to physical fitness, you ever done that before? You ever join the gym? So fun. You join the gym, they take your money, nothing changes. It's horrible. What? You know, I feel like I got ripped off. You join the gym. It's hard, man. Physical fitness is hard, right? It's like, oh, but the principles are still, you know, the principles are there. There's nothing magic. Put the work in. Here's the thing about spiritual principles. God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Okay? You read his word. You do these simple principles. You do this, and he will do for you in your spirit, in your mind, miracles for you. Restoration, deliverance, power. Things that you could never do for yourself in a physical gym or something like that. This is good news. God doesn't want us to leave here today even more stressed out. Oh my gosh, I got to meditate on these eight things, you know. <laughs> leave here today saying the Lord will fight for me. He will restore that which the locusts have stolen. Joel chapter 2 says that. If you've had a bad season, had a bad run, things didn't go your way, God can restore that stuff. That's what he does. He's the rescuer. 
he puts it back. He fights for you. And he gives us the simplicity of doing this. Look what he says. Verse eight, let's let's rip through all eight of these real quick. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Okay. Now the world we live in doesn't have an appetite for truth. Let me just simply say it this way. Okay, truth is rooted in reality. And God determines what's real. Our world today wants to create its own reality, doesn't it? We, we redefine things and we say, well, that's good for your truth. That's good. Your truth is your truth. And if it's not God's truth, it's not truth at all. And this is where God's word comes in. God says, you shall know my word. When you abide in my word, my word abides in you. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said in John 17, Lord, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Aren't you glad for God's word? Man, God's word is so good. It's a light for our feet. It's a lamp for our path. It cuts away all the things, the shackles, and the bondage of our life. It fights for us. The Bible calls it a sword. The Bible says of itself that it's alive and active, that it's able to discern thoughts and intentions, bone and marrow, just gets in between everything. God's word. Because unfortunately, you can't believe everything you read, amen? Not in the word, but in the world. You can't believe everything you hear, right? And you definitely can't believe everything you think. Somebody say amen. People want to live in their own reality. I'll use one silly illustration. What if I told you that I was only 18 years old? Is that true? Now I only look like I'm 22. I realize that. So it's a stretch. If I told you I was 18, I'm 18 years old, you would say, Luke, that's not reality. It's just not true. But what if I said, I understand that, but in my heart, I'm 18. You know what you would say? That doesn't matter. Because that's not reality. And people come up with their own. It's in my heart. I feel it this way. And who cares how you feel? Your feelings are broken. And you need to bring your feelings in submission and subjection to God's word. God tells us what's true. And here's the problem. Is our culture today is creating new truths. And their truths. And our truths. And polar truths. And if you do that, you're on your way to mental confusion, mental fatigue, and mental illness. You need the word of God to be the truth, the true north that guides you and directs you. And again, as I mentioned, the devil can't create anything. All he can do is counterfeit. And if there's anything in this world that you're taking in, instead of God's word, God's spirit, God's people, God's mission, God's creation, God's good gifts, okay, you bought into some sort of counterfeit and it's not the source that you were designed to get fed from. You need his word. Now let me just encourage you guys to be reading his word. Be people of the word. I'm a pastor, so I like get paid to study the word. I get paid to preach the word. And that's kind of cool. But really, there's no substitute for the time that I spend in God's word, which is him and I. I can study. I can prepare. I can preach. But when I take the time for me and the Lord in his word, okay, everything changes. Let me say it differently. When I don't take the time in God's word for he and I, everything changes. Guys, read the Bible. Five by five reading program. Read the Psalms every day. I used to do, and I don't do as often as I used to, what I call the psalmatic progression, where on Psalm, on the day of the month, you would read that Psalm. Let's say it's September 5th, you read Psalm 5. And then you would add 30 days, read Psalm 35. And then you read Psalm 65 and Psalm 95 and Psalm 105 and Psalm 135. And you get five psalms per day, just the worship songs of the day. And if you do that every single day, you read 150 psalms per month. Read the whole book of psalms in one month. And then read the proverb of the day. So it's September 5th. Read the the fifth proverb. You're reading all these. And as you do that, you'll find yourself, like Paul says here, satiated, strong, joyful, peaceful, all the things that our world is looking for in so many other counterfeit ways. He says, meditate on God's truth. Make sure you're not falling into all the lies and the deceptions of the things around us. And as we do that, God will do what he said he would do. Guys, verse eight, he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, he goes on, whatever things are noble. Okay, this simply speaks of things that are honorable or respectful things that don't bring shame and don't bring you down. So many things in our culture today are not noble, not honorable, not respectful. They're just less than. 
and we subject ourselves to them. We can see this online, YouTube, Instagram, Reels, all these things that are happening. He says, hey, if you want to be strong in your mind, if you want to be directed, if you want to have real joy, careful of the content and the intent that you subject yourself to. This isn't going to be easy, by the way. Okay, you're going to have to make some adjustments, some new habits. You're going to have to read articles and books and shows and conversations that are noble. If you want this to happen, by the way, I'm going to sound super legalistic and super preacher, super pastor, guys. We read through these things because if you take each one of these words and double click on it and take it for a spin, it may mean you have to change something in your life. But to not change anything in your life and to expect something to change, you better call 988 right now. You know what I'm saying? I didn't change anything and nothing's changing. <laughs> what do you expect? What do you meditate on these things, things that are noble? And the thing about abusing our minds, it's kind of like abusing your body. You ever just decide to eat the whole sleeve of Oreos? You ever do that before? You can do it. It's not like that big a deal. You know, you could eat the whole bag of chips and drink the whole, you know, case of Coke. You can do it. You can do it. But you reap the consequences, do you not? Every single time. And whenever I go to Five Guys, I always try and eat well at Five Guys, you know, and, and I always try and get some vegetables on my burger, and I get the vegetable shake, the vanilla shake, you know, at the end. And, and I always try and just, you know, try and, you know, not, don't get too many burgers. And, but every time, I just pay the consequences. <sighs> Meditate on that which is noble. Most of the stuff in our culture is not noble. And if you want to be a man or a woman of good report, or of stature, or of joy. He goes on, it's just kind of, these are all the same in, in theory, but they're all a little different. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just. This will change your life. There's so much corruption in our culture today, so much corruption in the government, so much corruption in business, so much corruption in sports, so much corruption in entertainment. It's all corrupt, isn't it? It's all corrupt. And it's easy to look at all the corrupt people. There's so corruption. It's like, well, hey, okay. Don't worry about the speck in other people's eye. What about the log in your own eye? Things that are just. This is a prefix of the word justice, which means equity, which means righteousness. Noble, true, just. Let me just say it this way. The most uneasy people in the world, okay, are those who are fooling around in one way or another in things that are unjust. Things that are shady. Things that are not true. If you've ever done this, tried to put one foot in this water and the other foot in this water, you're the most unhappy person you've ever been. Always looking over your shoulder, wondering, is the gig going to be up? Am I going to get caught? And he says, hey, do you want to walk in mental peace? You want to be whole? You want to have joy, peace, and strength? Okay? Then meditate on things that are just. Don't be unjust. And if you've ever been doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, you know that anxiety and that feeling that comes upon you. It's called your conscience. It's a blessing, by the way. And if you're guilty or you're convicted by anything right now, thank God for that, okay? Thank God that you have a conscience. God gave that to you. What your responsibility is is to do is to obey that conscience and to act accordingly. It's God's grace when he convicts you. A couple days ago, my beagle was curled up in this, some camp stuff that we had from Mexico, and, and Nemo loves the beagle so much, and the beagle's name's Kaya, and he's like, Dad, let me take a picture of Kaya. She's so cute right now. So he took this picture. Here, here she is, you know, and there she is, just kind of all wrapped up. I don't know what she's doing in this, this like, pad, and, and when he showed me the picture, I was like, I was like, something looks wrong. She looks guilty. Look at that. Doesn't she look guilty? And he's like, no, she's cute. And I was like, and so we got her out of there. Show the next picture. And this is what she just done to the thing. She bedded down. She like bedded down in this thing, you know, and she sat down. And when he picked the picture, I knew she's guilty of something. She did something wrong. And she's a cute, look at that, man. Love that dog, love that dog. And I'll tell you what, Paul's telling us here, you can take those pics down. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, He goes on and he says, whatever things are pure. Now this word pure here, as Paul gives it to us, is similar to the word noble. It speaks of purity. There's an immorality, there's an impurity in our culture that is at an all-time high, at least as far as I can tell. It is crazy how impure our world has become and how the offerings of impurity are given to us at any age and at every turn. You can become, you can go to certain states and certain things are, are justified and legal. You can go to certain countries and other things are legal and the impurity. And again, I put you back to God's word. God tells us what's right and wrong. He tells us what's pure and impure. 
And he says, if you want to walk in stature, if you want to walk in strength, if you want to walk in vitality, if you want to walk in purity, if you want to walk in joy, peace, and strength, then man, meditate on things that are pure, not impure. Amen. Paul lived 18 months in the city of Corinth. And Corinth was so debased and so nasty that if you were a partier, it was a common byword that, man, you must be from Corinth. You must be a Corinthian if you're crazy. At night, they would have temple worship at the, at the false temples, and prostitutes would come out, and they would present themselves to the men of Corinth to worship their false gods by way of prostitution freely and openly. And Paul lived there for 18 months, abstaining from activities like that, staying pure, staying focused. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you. If you guys want to keep right, you want to stay ready to rock and roll, you've got to meditate on things that are pure, not things that are impure. And can I also encourage you, if there's a battle right now going on in your home, if there's something that has been hijacked in your life, maybe it's lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, or the pride of life, maybe it's an issue with pornography or lust, whatever the case is for you, God has help for you. He can restore those years that the locusts have eaten. He can strengthen you. There's books, there's tools, all out there. God says, I can rescue you from all of the bondage that you find yourself in. By the way, if you are in one of those camps of fighting this impure battle, reach out to somebody. The Bible says that there is power in the confession of sins. That if you confess your sins one another, God will heal you. He will heal you and forgive you. James tells us that in his book. Well, Paul goes on to say, not just uh, meditating on things that are pure, but whatever things are lovely, this is speaking of just the world that God's created around us, the lovely things that God's given to us. Last week, I had a chance to uh, go up the LC River, mile 18, and, and I was overseeing a celebration of life for Dale Dorsey and his family. And, and I got there about 45 minutes earlier. It was the day we did baptisms in the ocean. And so I got to see an amazing ocean baptism. Five souls got baptized, and I got dressed and drove up there. And as I got up there, I was about 45 minutes early, so I walked down the LC, and I just found these little Adirondack chairs that were looking out over this flowing river. And it was kind of like a, a fast-moving stretch, and so the water was really active, and the trees were towering. And I remember just sitting and saying, Lord, this is so cool. And the reason I was sitting there with the Lord is because I was about to do a memorial and I hadn't actually prepared anything for the memorial yet. And so I was just sitting in God's presence saying, Lord, I trust you. Look at what you've done. Look at who you are. Look at th these, this river's been here. These trees. This is the work of your hands. And when you meditate on that which is lovely and you see God in his creation. See, right now we're so distracted by counterfeits and other things, lesser things. Paul says, if you guys want to be like me, up against the wall, incarcerated, not looking at a future that is bright, but would you rejoice with me? 19 times he says rejoice in this epistle alone because he's meditating on those things that are lovely. You can do this in any way, any shape or form. I did go to that car show yesterday. I'm not a car guy, but I was so impressed with all these cars. There was like 50 or 60 or 70 or 80, probably 100 cars or so many. Every single parking lot at the Performing Arts Center was full. And I'm just going to be honest, it was lovely. They're cars. People, men and women made those cars and to just take in that which God has created and say, this is so cool. So awesome. You guys drive over the bridge this morning to get here? I drove over the bridge. It was lovely. I took some pictures. I don't think you're supposed to do that while you're driving, but I did it anyways, you know. That's why I'm all stressed out. <laughs> Meditate on that which is lovely. I mean, I'm convicted even saying that because how many times have you been flipped out, stressed out, spazzed out, and all around you, God has planted flowers, men and women, little children, little children that have become older children, gray hair and beards, just things everywhere. God's done that on purpose. The Bible says in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night reveals knowledge, and there is no language where their voice is not heard. God is constantly creating lovely things. And if you would just have the eyes to see, if I would have the mind set on things above, he says not just whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, but whatever things are of good report, specifically and literally, whatever things in those days was a good message. You wanna have a strong mind? You wanna walk in purity? You wanna walk in strength? Okay, make sure that the messages that you're hearing are good. We have all kinds of information. We have podcasts, we have books, we have shows, information, all kinds of things coming into our mind. Paul says, if you wanna be strong, make sure it's of good report. How many of you guys listen to podcasts while you drive, podcasts on the way to work? I love road trips because when I go on a road trip, I can listen to whatever I want. 
And from time to time, I want to listen to 90s rap, you know? Put the 90s rap channel on, you know, the, you know, the, the edited versions, of course, you know, and give me some Dr. Dre in there and some Snoop, you know, and, you know, the 90s rap channel. You can do whatever you want, but you're going to get whatever you get. Or you can listen to other things, things that are of good report. And when I listen to podcasts on teaching and on leadership and on parenting and, and on marriage and, and on loving others and serving others, okay, what's the fruit of that? What's going to happen? It's your choice. It's your choice. Whatever you want to focus on, whatever you want to meditate on will determine where you go and who you become. He says, hey, meditate on things of good report. And he says, if there's things of any virtue, he says, okay, this literally means that if there's any virtue in it, go for it. Find something to redeem from it. We use the three R's here at South Beach Church when it comes to making decisions because in life you have to ask yourself, is this a good thing? And here's the three R's. You can receive certain things, you just receive them. Other things you need to redeem. You need to figure, well, that's kind of weird, but we can, we can redeem that. Other things in life, we just need to reject that. Those three R's in life, you can take this with, with events, with entertainment, with certain holidays, certain things at participatory levels. Find out if there's virtue in it. Is there anything holy, anything right in this? Meditate on those things. This, again, is going to cause some of us to change the way we live our lives. Lastly, he says, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I think what Paul's saying here is that if the things you're involved in cause you to sing a tune to the Lord, do that. Is it praiseworthy? Can you praise the Lord in this? Is this honor to him? Is this worship to him? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what you do, do it for the glory of God. When we sing, we're glorifying God. And if you want to live a life of vitality, of purpose, of power, of strength, and of peace, and you want to avoid at all costs dialing 988, he gives us the eightfold way to have a renewed mind, a brand new beginning. He says, just do it. It's not that hard. And God will go before you. And if you choose to do these things, even today, if your choice at the end of the service, which we're almost done, at the end of the service, say, okay, Lord, I need all that. Would you help me? And let me again put the challenge out there. The world is not on your side. It is not your... Let me, be, let me get a little more closer, okay, as close as I can. Not only is the world not on your side, but your flesh is not on your side. Your flesh is all messed up. It's all jacked up. Your flesh wants the things of this world. It's drawn to the things of this world. When you go to the organic produce section at Fred Myers and walk through, your flesh doesn't want any of that. Man, you go find those Pringles, your flesh is like, get the Pringles. Get the family pack, you know. Ah, let's go. God's word tells us what's right and what helps us. As a matter of fact, let's talk about obedience. We'll close with this thought. Look at verse nine. He says, the things which you learned and received and heard in me, these do. It's pretty simple. The things you learned, heard, saw. What's he say? He, he lists four things. Heard, saw, learned, and received. Essentially what Paul is saying here, obey. Obey the principles of God. Obey the word of God. Obey the directives of God. Obey the teaching of God. It's not that hard. Look at what he says though. He finishes verse nine. This is where we're gonna end today. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. At this point, we've been talking about not the God of peace, but the peace of God. But now he changes the order. And not just the peace of God, which is awesome. The peace of God would be an attribute of God's presence. It's like the, the light of the sun, you know, shining on you. You don't really want the sun to touch you, but you want the light of the sun. The sun's gonna, you know. Now he says, not just the peace of God, but the God of peace. Wow, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. Not just what God offers in his giftings, but God himself will be with you. You wanna obey, you wanna please God, you wanna walk in mental wholeness, you wanna walk in strength, joy, vitality, purpose, and, and passion, and, and value, you wanna do all these things? Well, if you obey, the God of peace will be with you. <laughs> I think of all the men and women in the scriptures who've obeyed. Against all odds, against opportunities to disobey, against challenges in a culture gone bad. I think of Daniel. Daniel was tested to disobey the Lord. Hey, we can't pray anymore. We're not doing that. Really? Well, what happens if we do? We're going to feed you the lions. Okay. Well, hopefully they're hungry. And he goes into prayer. He obeys God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. They were thrown into the fire. They were challenged, and yet God 
the God of peace was with them. In the lion's den, God was with Daniel. God will be with you. I believe that when God even rebuked Jonah, that in God's grace, God was with Jonah in the belly. God will be with you. And as you obey, I'm not sure what your trajectory, you guys are the 9 a.m. service, you guys are on fire, the 11 a.m. service, we're praying for him, praying for him. I'm just kidding. You guys are on fire. You guys want your lives to count. He's given to us the recipe here. Because you're part of the family of God, because you're part of the church, you're a brother or sister, you're already in, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Obey the things that you've seen in her. We're going to pick up in verse 9 and extract a few more out of that. I'm just going to ask you guys to close your eyes. So we've heard a lot of talking, some of the word of God. I'm going to ask God in his power now to co-op with us and to bear fruit in our lives. But I'm also going to ask him to convict heavily of these eight things in your life. If you truly want to be a different man or a different woman moving forward, you don't want to be the same physically, mentally, or spiritually. You want to be different. You have to then think different. You have to set your mind on things above. So Father, in Jesus' name, we now pray. And I ask God that you would convict us of that which is for us to take out of the sanctuary with us this morning. That Lord, if there be any mental illness or if there be any mental fatigue, if there be any mental confusion, if there be any mental counterfeits, if there be anything here, Paul says, let this mindset be in you. Meditate on these things. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for the man or woman that's here this morning that will say, I want to take my life seriously. I don't want to just be picked off. I don't want to come to nothing. I started one way, but I want to make sure I finish well. If that's you this morning and you would invite the Lord to convict you, listen, and to equip you in ways that you cannot do for yourself, would you raise up your hand right now by way of submission to him? Just say, yeah, Lord, I want this for my life. I want this for my life. I think I got three texts this morning. They were all spam texts saying, hey, drink this and you'll lose 50 pounds, you know, or whatever, and all these things offering crazy stuff. And yet the Lord says to us here right now, he says, hey, if you want this, just give your life over to me. If that's you, would you just raise up your hand right now and say, yes, Lord, I want you to take my life. Help me to meditate on these things. Help me to obey that which I've seen, received, heard, and saw in you, Paul. Please keep your hand up. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for those who raise their hands. And if you haven't yet, it's not too late, raise it right now. Lord, those who have their hands up in Jesus' name, would you, Lord, anoint them with the spirit of gladness right now in Jesus' name with joy. Lord, with purpose, with value. Paul, Lord, who was going to be killed, who had lost everything, said, would you guys rejoice with me? I'm so happy. I couldn't even be happier. I'm gonna write you a letter so you guys can be happy. I pray in Jesus' name for that joy to be ours. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. It's so hard to live in this world. There's so much cultural conflict. Lord, there's so many counterfeits, so many things out there. I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, we would not have a appetite for the things of the world anymore. Lord, that you would break that appetite for all the processed things of the world that aren't right, Lord, spiritually speaking, all the things that are against you, that are poisoning us. Would you strengthen us, Lord? My hand's up too, Lord. I pray you just search my mind, search my, uh, my life, Lord, search my heart, and have your way in me. I thank you for all you've done at South Beach Church, Lord, all you're gonna do through, Lord, this church. We give our lives to you for your glory and for others' good. Lead us, we pray now, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We got through two verses, I think, a little bit. And I want to encourage you, though. Read verse 8 again. Write it out. Ask yourself, am I meditating on these things? Is this what God is doing in my life? Because he wants you to be strong. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be full of peace. And he wants to use you in the days coming forward. So God bless you guys. Sign up for something. Get involved. Invest. Invite some people. The best is yet to come. Put it on your calendar. And we'll see you guys very soon. You are dismissed.